Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by EJ Snyder, the site's senior draft analyst. EJ, how you doing today? I'm well. I'm looking forward to talking about a little free agency. We've got a new CBA, which uh, means the things can officially kick off here pretty soon. Teams will know very soon, within the next day or two, how much money they have to spend. The cap will be set, and uh, we have... Ostensibly, we have labor peace for the next 10 years, which is pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, let's talk about some players. Yeah, 17th game added to the schedule. We don't know if that'll happen this year or next year. I assume they'll probably hold off a year on it, but kind of crazy how that's uh, that's going to work. So definitely some things for us to talk about, fodder for us to talk about uh, as we continue in the offseason. But uh, before we get into the defensive side of the ball, uh, we got to make sure we get some beers going. So what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm actually forgoing beer and pouring one out for my homies. Uh, Ireland, Ireland, if you have not heard, has decided to close their pubs for two weeks. And if you either know someone who is Irish or have ever been to Ireland, uh, as I do both, my family is from there and I have traveled to see them. In fact, uh, some of my family members own a pub in Ireland. Um, It's a big deal. The pub is the center of social life in Ireland. It's much more like the community living room uh, than bars are here. Uh, The kind of places where if you don't show up for three or four days, they start calling your house and saying, hey, what's the matter? Why haven't you you been by? Why haven't you stopped in? (laughs) So it really is a community sort of social center for young and old alike and um that's a that's a serious thing so i have decided tonight is irish coffee for me uh that's just coffee cream and a little bit of jameson's for me and uh, i'll be drinking that okay in uh in solidarity with my home folks across the water what do you have well, I'm, I'm continuing to work through the stock that I built up down on the south coast on my trip. And I, what I did was I bought a mix sixer, of course. You know, you have to do that. And then I found this four-pack that I just could not resist. And I've been holding off to, to debut it on the pod. Um, it's from a brewery called Bayou and, I don't know, Techie? Tech? I, I have no idea. T-E-C-H-E. The words down there are very hard for me to pronounce. I did not take French. And so uh, the Creole French connection down in Louisiana is very tough for me. Um, but it is a Cajun breakfast stout. Oh, jeez. And, <laughs> and only so you. What that means. Well, so what that so that, uh, this is a limited edition. So I, I looked it up. There's like a news story on it about how they decided to brew this thing and that, you know, they just brewed one batch. And when it's gone, it's gone. And I uh, looked it up, and it has coffee. Okay, you know, that's, that makes it the breakfast stout. It better be chicory uh, coffee has, if we're talking about Cajun. Well, hold on. All right. So it's, all got, right. it's got cane sugar. Okay. Uh, give it a little sweetness. And then the the big ingredient is that they have boudin sausage. Now, I'm almost <laughs> certainly pronouncing it incorrectly because I'm trying to pronounce it with all of the syllables, but I think they call it boudin. Boudin. So boudin yep. sausage. Okay. So you got so, a sausage um, beer. I Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know if they just use the seasonings okay. that go into the sausage uh, huh. to, to help short, sort of spice the beer, or if they really did put sausage. I wouldn't think you'd put like a fat. A fat doesn't seem sausage. like a great thing to put in, in any a, brewing 
uh, utensils. No, I don't but, think yeah. so. And so I don't really know. Maybe I'm drinking something that's going to make me not feel well. But um, <laughs> either way. How many times have you said that in your life? <laughs> oh, man. No, no kidding. So anyway, either way, I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, let's uh, let's get them going. All right. So we're both drinking something with coffee. But I would say we're probably going to have very, very different uh, experiences. <laughs> I, I really do well, – some of my favorite beers are breakfast stouts, but normally they're – well, it's usually coffee and then, you know, chocolate and, you know, maybe some – I don't know, something that reminds – like a pancake. Yeah, I've seen one to with get oats. Or, oats or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah, right? Kind of – oh, it's it's supposed to be something that reminds you of breakfast. But, you know, when you're down in Louisiana, I mean, that's uh, – Do as the natives do. a little do. different. Yeah, do as the natives do. Why not? All right, first – First taste doesn't taste like a sausage quite yet, but we'll check. We'll check. <laughs> I'm, we'll check I'm glad to end. hear that because if it tasted like sausage right off, that might be a little much. Yeah, I don't know. How do you know when this thing goes bad? That's the question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I drink them quick. All right. So yeah. before we get into defense, I want to ask you a question because last time on the offensive preview, we talked a lot about quarterbacks and we talked about one quarterback in particular goes by the name of Derek Carr and I am starting to see a little bit more smoke on the idea of the Bears acquiring Derek Carr now the tweet that I saw was that the Raiders have reached out to teams and one of those teams was the Bears that does not mean that the Bears reached out to the Raiders or that the Bears were interested in that call. But at least from what I read, the Raiders were trying to shop them and the Bears were one of the teams. You buy it? Are you still kind of thinking, uh, no thanks? Um, and if this does happen, uh, what what compensation are you going to be, well, okay, I can kind of live with it? Uh, well, two-part question. Do I believe it? Do I believe they're shopping him? Absolutely. I think... Mike Mayock, um, John Gruden, looking around, seeing what they could do. Uh, Mayock has said quite prominently for the last two seasons since he took over that he's going to explore every avenue to improve his team. Uh, he proved that in his first draft. Um, I don't think there's any reason that he would slow down with that in free agency. So if they believe they can get something for Carr, move on to a quarterback, that they are more excited about for some reason, despite Mayock's comments at the Combine, which were, you know, it's GM speak in February, but it was effusively positive about how sure they were and what they had in Derek Carr and how much they love the guy and how much they knew that um, what they really had, that he completed over 70% of his passes, blah, blah, blah. So it was, you know, there's positive and then there's sort of lukewarm positive and then there's effusive and it definitely fell into that last category. So that made me think uh, maybe the fire was dying down a little bit, but I'm not going to read too much into it. Are they shopping him? Sure. Are the Bears buying or interested? I think, again, they're going to keep their eyes open with the notion that they are not settled at quarterback and quarterback is the game's most important position and they're going to listen to all offers. And I think if that offer is in the lower end of compensation, if the Raiders are looking to unload him because they are surely moving to somebody else, which they would never tell anybody. But if that's if that's what the Bears are trying to push, I'd probably be okay with it. But I don't think that's I don't think they're going to sell low on Derek Carr. So the compensation would probably be more than I would like to hear. 
based on the fact that Carr is not necessarily one of my favorites. Is he a good quarterback? Yes. Could he provide some stability for the Bears at the position for the next year or two? He absolutely could. And, you know, would he be better than the level that Mitch performed at last year? I think he would. All Certainly he had a much better season than Mitch did last year if we're just looking at recent returns. Now, do I think he's a long-term answer that you should invest a lot in him? I don't. So I would be happy with lower-end compensation. However, we all know quarterbacks are in demand. I don't think the Raiders are going to be willing to accept that. Yeah, I don't. I just don't think that the two match up. Unlike when the Raiders were looking to move Khalil Mack and the Bears were like, yes, please, uh, where do I sign up? Uh, I don't really see the same amount of compensation, nor do I... I just don't know that Pace has the ability to reach that far in. I don't know what the compensation would be required, but he'd definitely be reaching into next year's draft stock, I think, uh, to to be able to pull this off, unless they're really just trying to ditch him and go in a different direction, which, you know, who knows, but quarterbacks are too valuable in this league, and a guy that has at least proven himself to be, uh, you know, an average starter in this league. serviceable. um, Serviceable starter. I, I just don't see it. So, all right. Well, I just you know, to one interesting and... thing before we move on that okay. I just heard sure. out of the corner of my ear this week that made me think, huh, maybe. So okay. do you remember John Gruden's quarterback camp on ESPN show that John, Gruden <sighs> you know, I never watched it, but okay. I, I do know, I know of it. Fairly famous in draft circles. Mitch was on it all he would take the f- top five or six quarterbacks every year. He would bring them down to his compound in Florida. He would work them out on the field. He would work them out on the board. And the whole thing was recorded. It was fascinating television for folks that are interested in the draft like me or, or just interested in the coach quarterback relationship because Gruden would, would go after him a bit. He would, he would see what they were made of mentally, physically. And generally he had good things to say at that point. He was a media member, so he wasn't going to bash the guys that he was going to be covering very, very soon. But someone reminded me, uh, and a bunch of other people on Twitter, that one of the people that Gruden was crazy sloppy in love with on Gruden's quarterback camp was Jameis Winston. Oh. Like, he couldn't say enough about Jameis. Like, he was really, really, really excited about Jameis. And and look, Gruden was excited about a lot of the guys on, on Gruden's QB camp. But there were definitely guys that he sort of had gaga eyes for. And somebody reminded a bunch of us that Jameis Winston was one of those guys. And that made me sort of pull up and go, oh, does he think he can fix him? Because Mm -hmm. if he thinks he can fix him, and Gruden famously thinks he can fix all quarterbacks, and he covets the arm. Look, Jameis has got a live arm, and he will let it go. Uh, the, you know, much to his detriment, we all saw the 30-30 season this year, but uh, if if Gruden's got a bug in his bonnet that he thinks he could fix Jameis, Carr becomes just that little bit more expendable, right? If they're pretty sure they can secure Jameis or they really want to secure Jameis, I'm not saying they do, but I'm saying if that's the scenario, they might be willing to let Carr go because you can't keep both just money-wise. So, uh, having a landing spot might be the the kicker for that deal, and uh, they might be a little bit more expeditious about making one for him. I don't think. No, it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's interesting, EJ, because uh, you know, obviously, Gruden is has been a part of two franchises. The other one being Tampa Bay, and by all indications, he at least remained somewhat close to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. uh, when they drafted Jameis, and he. 
you know, I—it's mm-hmm. just not crazy. It's just the kind of thing that gets behind your ear and stays there for a while, and you start turning back to it, going, you start drawing lines in your head. So, you know, one thing that lends a little bit of interest or intrigue to the situation that wasn't already there. I just—I figured I'd share that because it was—it caught me funny this week, and I thought, huh, maybe. So we'll see. Well, and if you're, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this. I think all head coaches are probably uh, egomaniacs to some degree. But if you think that you are the quarterback whisperer and you love all quarterbacks and you can trade your current quarterback and get some kind of draft capital in return and then sign somebody off a of free agency that you think is similar or even better than what you have, then in a way it's kind of a smart move on his end it gets how he sees it it gets attractive if it works right it's a it works all quarterback gambles are huge gambles but if he feels solid if he feels like he still likes what he sees in his game and can and can round off the rough edges it could be attractive so it was enough it was enough that it made me think and that's that's probably where we should leave it but uh you know I, i thought it was interesting enough to bring up well, and when you have a 10-year, $100 million guaranteed contract oh, that God. John Gruden does, you can make those moves. Yep, uh, you sure can. <laughs> all right, so free agency, defense. We're going to start at inside linebacker. That was not my plan when we recorded the offensive side of this. Uh, we had scripted out the defense as well. But uh, the Bears brought back Danny Trevathan uh, to a three-year deal, and so they – uh, filled one of the positions that we we're going to talk at length about. And basically, we we're going to talk for the most part do they keep Danny or do they uh, keep Nick Kwiatkowski? They decided to keep Danny Trevathan. Look, the guy is a team captain. He almost certainly came at a price uh, less than what Nick Kwiatkowski is going to uh, demand on the open market. And so they made the decision to bring back the leadership bring back someone who's proven it uh, time and time again. Obviously, he's a little older, uh, and then they're going to almost certainly let Nick Kwiatkowski go. Is that the right move? I think it is from outside of the pure player standpoint. I think it is for where the franchise is at. The notes that I wrote on Trevathan, because I wrote my notes for this episode before Trevathan was re-signed, is if his money request is reasonable, keep him. He's a respected leader. He's a good QB on D. Uh, When he's been healthy, and he has missed on average about four games a year in his Bears tenure, when he's healthy, he's tremendously effective. He's a good blitzer. Um, Famously, that play he had with the little ghost rush last year was one of your all-time favorites. I loved it, too. Um, Very good at run fits and fills and pretty good at short area pass coverage. And again, one of the most respected leaders in the Bears locker room. So if he's affordable and it turns out he is, sign him up. Uh, the three years was interesting to me. I'm sure the last year is probably not guaranteed. It's probably a two-year and out kind of deal. And that's about right. right for a player with his injury history and his age. But keeping him on defense gives Pagano a bunch of stability, which is great. They don't have to start at square zero with a rookie. And I'm all for it. The bottom line is Kwiatkowski's price, they probably poked around. Uh, with Kwiatkowski's agent and said, you know, what are you thinking? He probably started off at about $8 million a year and was going to go up from there. And they probably said, that's north of our line. We don't want to, we don't have the money to do that. We've got enough other holes and not enough cap space to do that. So regardless of the cap going up, we love Nick, but, you know, best to him. And 
He definitely played well in a contract year, and now he's going to get paid, and it's going to be somebody else. So I'm all right with it. I think Kwiatkowski was one of the most improved Bears last year, but this is what happens when you've got good talent on your roster. You can't keep it all. You think uh, you think he lands with Vic Fangio in Denver, or maybe I, the? I think it's one of Raiders? his first calls. I would yeah, be very yeah. surprised if Nick's agent doesn't reach out to Denver very very quickly and isn't a somewhat quick signing in Denver uh, again. If Denver has not prioritized the position or the money for the position that he wants, he could move on quickly, and he'll have other suitors for sure. He played very very well, uh, but he's familiar with with Vic. He played well under him. Um, you know, it's interesting that that Vic Fangio didn't get the most out of Nick Kwiatkowski that Pagano did. That was really the sort of light coming right. on year for Kwiatkowski. So it's interesting to me as to whether or not uh, he thinks that's his best professional destination. But I would say if they're willing to pay, uh, he could sign early with Denver. Yeah, I think that's that's where I got him. I think the Raiders are an interesting spot too. So that's kind of where I've you know I want I want him to get paid, get the bag, man. Absolutely. Uh, what about the third inside linebacker that we have kind of talked about? Um, that's Kevin Pierre Lewis. Do you think that's uh, priority for Pace to bring him back on a on a nice backup special teams role contract, or is this one of those where he's going to go shop the market, see if he can get starter money, and maybe Pace can can scoop him up in the third wave of free agency. Yeah, I I don't think he's going to get starter money. Um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, good old KPL, uh, a guy that I really like, showed a lot in a short audition. I think maybe played even better uh, than Kwiatkowski in his short time with the Bears starting last year. And again, if he has reasonable, dem- reasonable demands, sign him. It's very much like Trevathan. It's at a different level money-wise, but... If his demands are reasonable, he's familiar, he's a leader on special teams, he showed very, very well. It's always nice to have a guy you know is capable of starting in a backup role. And if the Bears go out and get a rookie at inside linebacker, which is mm, possible, I'm actually working through the inside linebackers right now in my draft prep, and there's some good players in there, some folks that don't have a ton of press. It's definitely not a top-heavy position like wide receiver. There's not a ton of depth. There is definitely a line at which the talent falls off. So the Bears would have to prioritize it probably in the first four rounds. Uh, And if they choose to do that and that guy is not ready to start right away, say he's a fourth rounder, kind of like Nick was, and uh, they could start the season with Kevin Pierre-Lewis next to Danny, and that would not be a bad setup. So again, if he wants to go out and get paid like a starter, you got to let him take a look and you probably shouldn't pay him for that because he is replaceable, but he was, uh, I would say he played above the level of his contract last year, pretty significantly. And guys like that, you'd like to keep if you can keep them at a reasonable price. Yeah. I think if he's, uh, the, you know, the first one off the bench, you know, in case something happens to Trevathan or, or Roquan, Roquan, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And then you get a rookie in there to try to learn behind those guys and, you know, give him a full year in the system, what have you. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That guy maybe becomes the the first off the bench next year, uh, and then maybe he's eventually Danny's replacement. You know, so I, I think it makes sense. We'll get into that when we talk more about the draft, but I think that makes sense. Um, let's say Kevin Pierre Lewis does uh, want to go somewhere else. You know, he's been with a bunch of different teams. Let's say he finds a little bit better deal somewhere else because he did show out like uh, he did in those games that he had. Anybody else on the free agent market at this position that you find somewhat interesting? 
Yeah, there's three guys. We'll kind of go high, medium, low. First one's Corey Littleton, and he is, I think, underappreciated. He's an excellent linebacker, very good player who was overshadowed a bit in L.A. That defense was pretty star-studded. He could pop up as a top-league target, and if he does, he's going to be way out of the price range for the Bears, but he's very good in pass coverage. He's highly athletic, smart linebacker, uh, closes really quickly, good tackler. Everything about Corey Littleton would fit very well in the Bears' defense. If he slides a little bit, if he goes underappreciated, he'd be a great add. But I really think he's probably going to get snapped up at the top end of the food chain in free agency, which means he's out of the Bears' price range. That leaves a couple other guys. Joe Schobert uh, is kind of a dream of mine. Um, if Danny and Quit both leave, I wrote this before Danny was re-signed, try and sign him. He's a great player, great leader. He's only 26. He, again, could be too spendy. He's really versatile. He was a fourth or fifth round pick into Cleveland. I wrote him up in draft watch when I was writing that on Windy City Gridiron. I thought he was a sleeper. People kind of overlooked his talent. He would played really well at Wisconsin. So, you know, if he's too spendy, look elsewhere. But he's a very versatile guy. Come off the edge, he can play inside. Very heady football player. Um, just really, really solid. Again, if Schobert slips a little bit or his market's soft and you feel like you want to prioritize that position, they probably won't now that they have Danny and Roquan locked up for a little bit. But he would be a tremendous add uh, to the Bears, but he's not a need. So that leaves a guy like Deron Lee, who is crazy fast and developed a little bit since entering the league. He's only 25. Feels like he's been around forever, but he's one of those guys that left Ohio State at just barely 20. So he's got almost four years of full service, played with the Jets. Um, He moved on got traded for a low-end draft pick. So again, this guy's going to be in the affordable range, but he can cover ground. He's more in the Roquan mold than the Danny mold. So if you want a backup who can really cover and move, um, a guy that would be solid on special teams as well, who's only 25 and will probably have an affordable price tag, a guy like Deron Lee would be a really good look. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm. My guess is that they bring KPL back. I That's hope so. My guess. I really like yeah, him. I, I, yeah, I liked him a lot. I was really impressed with him. I think he was certainly someone we talked about in the award show with Robert Schmitz uh, at the end of the year when we were both guesting on his program. So uh, just, you know, bring those, bring those guys back. Those are the kind of guys that uh, Bears fans that <laughs> have few other hobbies like us uh, really – uh, attach on to because they're just uh, underachievers, overachievers, right? They, they You don't expect much from them. They come out of nowhere. You know, you knew about them. Most most fans certainly didn't. I, I would put myself in that, but, you know, perform quite well. You want to see those guys uh, brought back again and again. So uh, that, that's my that's my guess and, and my hope, I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, it plays, uh, wanna, plays well about... in the locker room too, right? Guys that play well, overachieve, yes, do their absolutely. jobs. You reward those guys. That that doesn't just reward that guy. It lets other guys who are in that position, maybe the third or fourth backup safety or the you know fourth or fifth corner who's who's bucking for playing time and, and maybe came off the practice squad. That guy knows that, hey, if I go out and I ball out in my snaps, when it comes time, they're going to give me a reasonable deal. And that's... Yeah, franchises that do that reward talent it's really good for the development cycle yeah yeah absolutely and building your locker rooms an important element so all right uh edge rusher or edge defender ah, i yes. suppose is probably the the better term there uh so <laughs> there are a ton of names but so many of them seem to me like they're going to be at the top of the market so um i wrote down a couple like shaq barrett yannick and gakway and jadavia and Clowney. those guys are 
they're gonna and and, and I, I understand Ngakwe isn't necessarily on the market, right? Like I think the, oh the he's on the market. Him. Yeah, he's actually yeah, the, big time on the market. Trade candidate. Yeah, they tagged or... him and he is okay. moving. He. Uh, right. I got a text from somebody today and. I, I had said, hey, look, that, you know, Jacksonville tagged Yannick, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. And his immediate text back was, he's gone. He hates it there. Sure. So this is the... Yeah, who doesn't? That's yeah. the thing is is when you have this, I'm going to call it the Tom Coughlin influence. It's probably not all his fault, but all these guys are just bleeding out of Jacksonville. We saw Bouye go. We saw Fowler go. Um, everybody that's up for anything in Jacksonville is leaving. Nobody wants to stay. It's been a toxic environment. They haven't made a culture change there and everybody's leaving. It's as you might say fire sale, but that would in some way indicate that the management was in charge. Um, the players here are really dictating, I don't want to be here. This isn't my spot. Get rid of me and start over with somebody else. And so Ngakwe got tagged, but I would be stunned if he was a Jaguar at the beginning of next season. Right. A tag and trade kind of situation though, right? Yes. Um, yeah. They, they traded away Calais Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, who's one of my favorite players. For a fifth. Baltimore, of course. For a fifth. Baltimore, Baltimore does that stuff. I know. And you it's know. terrible. He's going to crush yeah. in Baltimore. That's such a it's good gonna fit. It's going to be so good. Yeah. Yes. It's a perfect fit. So, uh, so yeah, those, uh, those guys are probably almost certainly not going to be wearing Navy and orange in the fall. They are out of the Bears' price range. You've already invested a lot, a lot, a lot of money in Khalil Mack. I don't think you can have another Max-type contract for the same position. I, I like the idea of building strength on strength, but uh, I just don't see that as being something that's that's going to happen. So I'm, I'm kind of – those are dreams that are not going to happen. So the next level – I got a couple names thrown by you. How about Bud Dupree or Matthew Judon? Uh, Bud Dupree might be in their price range. I hope he is not necessarily in their, in their sights. I think he fits better in, in the Steelers uniform and the Steelers defense. He was not terribly productive. He was, um, and a lot of people are going to say, well, this is what we'd want him for. Uh, he was a lot like Floyd in their defense and their Mac of course is Watt. Right, right. Watt is the stir that straw, uh, the straw that stirs the drink, in Pittsburgh. He's the guy creating those busted pockets and rush opportunities. And Bud Dupree again stepped up, kind of like Nick Krakowski did, elevated his game because he'd been thought of as kind of a bust, and cleaned up a lot of those opportunities as Watt got even better. Uh, he didn't create a lot, and if you're going to pay pretty big money, which you are, if you're getting a free agent edge anywhere near the top of the market, you want him to be the stirrer, not the cleaner upper. And right. uh, so, I hope that Dupree is not really on their list. Judon is a guy we just talked about. The Ravens they signed Calais Campbell. Judon had a breakout year. He's the prize of the market. I really think he is. Those are the yeah. guys you mentioned are great, but. He teams are not sleeping on what he did, and some of them are flush with cash. There are folks with eighty and high seventy million dollar caps, unlike the Bears who are looking at 
13, maybe 20. They don't have a lot. No. Yeah, not a lot. So they're going to be squeaking. They're not going to be able to sign a guy like Matthew Judon, who is going to get paid. He's a guy that's going to get bag. I would love to have him. I liked him as a sort of sleeper dark horse coming out. Obviously, the Ravens took him, developed him, made him everything and more uh, that he could be coming out of college. And he's going to get paid now. And another guy like that is Carl Nassib. He was with the mm. Browns. He ended up in Tampa Bay. He has 18 sacks in his career, which doesn't sound amazing, but he's athletic and long. He's going to pull premium dollars. He is a guy that creates a lot of um, hits, disruptions, uh, movements, pressures. He'd be a worthy successor to Floyd, but I think he's still going to be a little bit rich. The only hope is that if Tampa has to pay Shaq Barrett, that they're not going to have huge dollars for Nassib. And maybe because he wasn't quite as flashy as Judon was this year with sack numbers, which still counts for something maybe he slips out and the bears could get him and if they did he would be a very very solid um bookend to mac on the other side so maybe we should talk about floyd yeah we should should have set that up a little bit better um floyd's got the fifth year option currently invested in him and i think it's something around 13 million dollars Yeah, 13 and a half i think and so it's a lot of money, and there's been some talk that the Bears might rescind that fifth-year option and save that money and either sign him to an extension that would keep that number lower or possibly let him go and try to find somebody on the free agent market and the rookie class and replace him. Uh, what do you think about that, and um, does that give you any kind of confidence that maybe they go after one of these other guys or uh, are you thinking they're going to stick with Floyd and maybe take a next tier guy to try to give that third pass rusher that um, Aaron Lynch never really rounded into? Yeah, it's a great question. Awesome setup. If that guy is Nasib, the guy we just talked about, I'm all for it because I think Nasib is his equal. And I actually don't think there are that many people that are his equal at that role before people jump all over this and say, you like Floyd and you're an idiot. Floyd's a very good football player. He is not a great pass rusher. He's a very average pass rusher, and he's a very good football player. Um, His edge contain is fantastic. His coverage is better than almost anybody else you're going to get at that spot. Him going backwards is better than most people going forwards. Um, He's a very, very good player, and the Bears rely on him to do a lot of different things in the defense. Now, all the fans want to see, and I mean all the fans want to see, is five to eight sacks regularly out of that guy. And everybody will say 10, but everybody that says 10 isn't actually looking at the stats because there's a handful of guys in the league that had more than 10. 10 sacks is eh, not that easy to get anymore. And the second rusher on a team very rarely goes into double digits. So they want to see those five to eight sacks. They want to see him cleaning stuff up. They don't care if the tight end runs free behind him. The Bears do. So $13 million is not a lot for that. I know people think that's amazing. That's quarterback money. And again, if they're saying that, they're five years behind the curve. (laughs) Right. So... Floyd, if they keep him, great. I would love to see them if they're set with him. Fine, sign him to an extension, lower the lower the money, um, and just keep having him doing what he's doing. And then, like you said, go after a third, you know, uh, long down and distance speed threat that's going to come off the edge hot and try and you know stir the drink from the other side. That's great. And there's a bunch of those guys out there, but 
if they want to get rid of him and see if they can get a little bit more pass rush out, maybe Nasib is the guy. Other than that, I don't see a lot of guys in the free agent market that can do both like Floyd and maybe up the sack numbers. I see guys that can get more sacks and I see guys that maybe can play off and do the coverage and edge shedding responsibilities, but I don't see the combination. And that's where Floyd sort of has his value is he's really good going backwards. He's pretty average going forwards. And that's, uh, unfortunately, that's kind of average money for that spot now. Yeah, it, this is a very interesting debate on what to do here. And I think you could argue that this is maybe the, biggest decision on defense that's left um although we'll get to the secondary here in the second half of the program but um definitely you know ryan pace has his work cut out for him for sure because you don't necessarily want to commit huge dollars to a guy that can't rush the passer incredibly well but like you say he is a really good football player by all accounts he's really good in the locker room and he's really good with teammates and so i I don't know. Like, I like him as a football player, but it's tough to get super excited about him because he never really developed as a elite pass rusher like they hope they certainly hoped he would uh, develop. So that's uh, yeah. interesting. And there's a bunch I, of I guys. Yeah, I don't know what to do either. And there's a bunch of guys in the stack behind that. If you want to shake the deck up, fine. Let him go and go after a guy like Nasib. if you think Tampa Bay is not going to be able to throw big dollars at him. Um there's four other guys that might come in in that situational kind of not necessarily alpha replacement. It would be keep Floyd and try and sign these guys because they're under the radar. They haven't had good production, but they might be right there where they could come in and get that handful of sacks as a third down rusher. Maybe. Aaron Lynch replacement. Aaron Lynch replacement. Perfect. I love it. So uh, first one is a guy, Jeremiah Adaochu, had three and a half sacks for Denver last year. He's going to be way cheaper than Floyd, although he's not as versatile. He's a guy that is more about going forward, but he is athletic and long. He's 27. So I know he's a guy that Fangio likes to kind of develop because he's he's basically a Floyd light for Fangio, um, but they might let him go. Again, they've got some they've got some dollar decisions in Denver to make as well. Uh, another guy, Kamale Correa, he came out of Boise State. He had five sacks in situational duty for the Titans last year, and he's only 25. He may stay put because they've got some money, but if he's cut loose, he's worth it for a look in that role. He's not great going backwards or in coverage, uh, but he is. He's a little bit undersized, but he is pretty dynamic off the edge. He caught my eye coming out of Boise State. Actually did notch five sacks last year. Um, again, playing for a head coach that was pretty good at racking some of those up himself. And uh, definitely looked like he developed maybe one of those guys that's ready to take the next step, but still pretty under the radar, so he might come at a, at a more reduced cost. The other one's from in the division. Stephen Weatherly uh, comes from a division rival. He plays for the Vikings. He's played solidly for Zimmer. He had three sacks last year. He's 26. He likely won't leave. He likes it there. He fits in Zimmer's system. Uh, he's one of those lower-round guys that um, – I had tagged as a, hey, if you want to go after a late-round edge rusher and trying to develop him, this is a guy that's got some traits. Well, sure enough, he goes to Zimmer's defense. Who knows how to use him? He looks like he's starting to turn the corner again. He's a pretty good football player, but, you know, three sacks is not a big deal. But I think the Vikings probably step up and re-sign him. And the last one is a guy I loved coming out, uh, Noah Spence, 
played in all 16 mm-hmm. games as a rookie, had five and a half sacks, but that was 2016. Since then, he's been pretty much invisible, and he's going to come at almost no cost. It's going to be darn near a minimum deal, and people are going to be like, what? But if you look at his stat sheet for the last three years, you're going to understand why he's not going to make any premium in free agency. He's with the Red, was with the Redskins last year. Um, it's just a guy you signed to kick the tires and see, hey, is that is any of that pass rush we liked on tape with you coming out still there? Um, is there a way we can unlock it in a limited role for, for cheap? And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he gets back to that level he had as a rookie. Um, you know, five, six sacks coming off the edge in a situational role for a minimum contract would be a pretty good deal. Yeah, what's up with Washington's defense? I mean, they're just ruining football careers or what? Uh, they have been. Uh, you know, Jay Gruden's an offensive coach, and their defense has not been stellar. And, again, a lot of guys are leaving. It's a little bit like Jacksonville on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and look, they're not going to be prioritizing it a lot because who's the most likely draft pick for the Redskins? Oh, uh, Chase, Chase, Chase Young. Young out of Ohio State, right? Almost everybody knows that. So if you're playing that position and they're about to wrap up, you know, multiple millions of dollars for a long time with a guy who should be by, you know, look, he's going to be great. He's amazing. Um, Noah Spence isn't looking at a whole lot of playing time. Uh, he's looking at reduced opportunity, and he didn't play very well anyways. He's probably not going to be a priority for them to resign. So here's a guy that's floating out there that you just grab and say, hey, is there any? am I going to catch magic in a bottle here? Are you going to come in and get five or six sacks for me playing opposite of Mac? Um, we just need you to go forward on you know third and long. And and maybe you do. Maybe you, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle one time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then on the other side of that, we're going to talk about the secondary positions. All right, EJ, we're back. All right, so I want to dig into corners. So Prince Mukamara leaves. Uh, you know, we've got an outside corner spot that's that's out there. Obviously, we have Kevin Tolliver on the roster who's going to potentially be able to uh fill that role or at least he's going to be competition for that role so that that's there's at least some uh, a warm body there right now but i think you would be uh, pretty silly if you're ryan pace to not bring in competition and so well, let's take a look at the free agent market i also think we're going to really want to dig into this in the draft i think this is overdue to draft an outside corner in the draft but um top of the market Byron Jones. Um, my notes say, I wish. Yeah, my notes say no shot. So it's the same thing in a different <laughs> language. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get huge money. This is like, uh, he's going to reset the corner market money, I think. Yep. And so um, it's not going to happen for the Bears. But that's the top of the market. That's the first name that's going to go that you're going to see, and you're going to see big dollars. So. I wrote down a few names. Some of them are more like, uh, well, we know about them because they're in the division or because of a familial relation. I just want to talk about them. And then I've got one other name I think is kind of interesting. I'm sure you've got a few. But let's start with a couple of Vikings corners that are going to potentially be hanging out there in Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, Any any possibility that they could come to Chicago and be a better fit in this system than they were in Minnesota? Please. No, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a fan of particularly for Alexander. Yeah. I'm not a fan of either. Uh, Trey Waynes didn't have a great year either. If you look up his um, passer rating against yards allowed and touchdowns, it's woof territory. It's really bad. So 
I know. I I know Pagano is a you know originally a defensive backs coach, now a defensive coordinator. Maybe he's like Gruden and thinks he can fix everybody. Uh, I hope he doesn't take on these two reclamation projects uh, or either of these two reclamation projects as a starter for outside in a division with some very good passers. I just don't think that pretends well. Now, again, the Bears don't have money to throw at a guy like Byron Jones, so they are going to have to find somebody. But I think there are better options out there than both of those guys. Yeah, I agree. I'm not. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring them up because they're in the division, and that they're they're towards the top of any corner free agent list that you'll see. Uh, for some reason, I think mostly name recognition, but I I've seen enough of them to think that I don't want them anywhere near uh, the orange winged sea. So let's move on to Kendall Fuller, brother of Kyle Fuller. Now the difference is that Kendall Fuller plays mostly in the slot. I think he's a good football player. But the Bears have invested in Buster Screen, and they invested a draft pick in Duke Shelley. Um, any chance that you could see Kendall Fuller come in because his brother's in Chicago, um, and you know he might be attracted to uh, the organization because of that, and maybe try to shuffle around someone to play him outside and put Kendall Fuller in the slot? It's possible, but I don't think it's terribly likely. I, like you, think Kendall's a really good football player. I'd love to see him in navy and orange, but that role is uh, not not only full, but backed up pretty well right now. We've got two talented guys that can play inside in the slot. I think Shelley's really going to come on in his second year and take a sophomore jump. Screen played exceptionally well last year. Uh, I think better than a lot of people thought he would uh, or even thought he did if they weren't paying attention. He was very effective almost every week. So there's a couple of guys stacked up in the role he's best at. He's probably going to get pretty decent money. He's going to be a second tier kind of a guy, maybe third tier. Again, if he slips, gets overlooked because people are out there throwing big money at people like Trey Waynes or Mac Alexander, fine. Um, you know, sure, throw him an offer and see if he won't take a little bit of a discount to come play with his brother. Maybe that's his childhood dream. Who knows? He's a good football player to have on the roster, and it would really strengthen uh, the secondary when you're in those dime looks. I mean, being able to trot out a reserve like Kendall Fuller would be pretty amazing. I don't think he'd beat out screen for the starting role, again, just because of familiarity with the system. But having him as your like fourth corner would be great. I just don't think the Bears are going to have money to do it because they really do need to fill the outside slot, and it's not a cheap slot to fill in free agency. Right, right. I, I, don't, I don't see it either, but I wanted to bring it up because of the connection and – you know, it'd be kind of cool. It'd be great. Uh, but I just don't see how you shuffle it. Uh, what about Logan Ryan? Uh, that might be a name that a lot of people know. Most recently with the Titans, looks like he's probably going to be floating out there. I uh, think Logan Ryan can fill that uh, Prince of Mukamara role. I think he could. I think he's somewhat similar with a little bit more speed, which is great because Mukamara was a little yep. bit um, heavier of foot last year. But I think Ryan probably ends up going back to New England in the classic, like, hey, you left, and now we get you back at a discount, and you play oh, at an extremely yeah. high level, because it, it happens to all of them, right? All their defenders do right. that. Um, Patrick Chung did it. Like they, they all do it, and they end up going back and playing very, very well. And I have a feeling, you know, Belichick liked Logan Ryan, um, had to let him go, because that's the way the league works in financials. They were keeping somebody else or paying somebody else. But if he's available and the Pats have the money, I think he's a guy that ends up back in Foxborough. So, you know, I think he'd be fine. I think it'd be possible uh, dollars-wise to get a guy like him. I could be wrong about that. 
maybe the market goes nuts. Um, but I wouldn't be sad about that. I mean, of the names we've discussed, besides Byron Jones, which is just a pipe dream, uh, I think he would be the best out of your list if we had to plug in somebody outside uh, for the Bears. Yeah, that was the guy that I thought, um, it, it, from a dollar standpoint and from a skill standpoint, would fill in the best. But, at, you know, I didn't even think that he would just run back to New England for less money. And you're probably right, because that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, it's like Stockholm Syndrome or something. <laughs> they just run run back to their captors. Yeah, um, it's odd. It always happens, though. Yeah, that's weird. All right, uh, who else you got? Because I, I didn't love a lot of the other names on the list, so I'm curious what else you're holding back here. Yeah, I don't love uh, almost any name on this list, but I did have four guys, and again, it's sort of structured in the top, middle, and, you know, hey, go get somebody and, and see what you get. Um, we're also uh, not mentioning that the Bears did win the bidding competition between nine NFL teams for a CFL corner who used to be a quarterback. Um, who's played pretty well, Trey Robertson, I think. Yeah. And he, he's he got some skills, so he's going to get thrown in there um, again with Kevin Tolliver, and, and maybe they just decide to, to run with that because of financials or whatever else, or who knows, maybe one of them plays the lights out uh, in OTAs and, and you know just earns the spot. But if they have to go after somebody, and I think they probably do, uh, James Bradbury was the first guy on my list. He's got a starter grade, though, and you're going to pay for it. It would give the Bears really nice size on the edges. I don't think they're going to be able to afford him. Big corners who play well get paid. Um, Bradbury certainly fits that mold. So you got to start looking for guys who are in the sort of second tier. P.J. Williams, very solid player for the Saints. He's super athletic and explosive, which would be a, a sort of a stark contrast to a Mukamara on that other corner. Um, but he can be a little bit undisciplined. He's not necessarily locked down with technique. Can get fooled a little bit but a lot of times he can make up for it with athleticism. He's played very well for the Saints. He could be, I mean, he's going to be available. I don't think he'll just auto-resign. He'll test the market, but I think he's one of those mid-level guys with size and athleticism that you might try out there. And he's got experience, too. He's played a bunch of football, so it's not a pure projection as to whether or not he can get out there and this hold is it down. so interesting, EJ, because I went to a couple Saints games and you know one and one down in new orleans and they hated pj Williams. oh yeah they get on yeah, him really hard him. and right I, he got a lot of penalties yep got got you know got burned a lot so they yeah he was like public enemy number one yeah that's the thing is he that's the piece about can be undisciplined right he you, you're not going right. to get everything in the middle you're not going to get big guys who are fast who are really really locked down corners for cheap like that that just doesn't happen it's pick two <laughs> You know? Yep, absolutely. And uh, so he'd be interesting if Pagano thinks that his tools are uh, moldable into something he can live with as a starting outside corner. Another name out there, Philip Gaines. Um, speaking of guys that are, I don't want to say public enemy number one, but definitely somewhat hated by their own fan bases because they came in uh, with a first round uh, or early second round pedigree. People automatically think you're going to be the savior at corner. Turns out Philip Gaines is a little bit like Leonard Floyd in that he's a corner that doesn't pick the ball off, um, but he can mm. knock it away. He's not going to get a ton of interceptions, but he is going to break up a bunch of passes. So he's going to get passes defended, but not interceptions. And of course, any fan base that's looking at a corner that doesn't get interceptions says he's a bust. He is a decent tackler, got great speed and good size. Uh, again, he fits the mold of a guy you're going to put into that competition with the other two big corners on the roster and say, all right, best man wins. And, you know, the third one of you is the backup. 
Uh, yeah, I think Gaines actually re-signed with the Texans. Oh, did he? So, so he's not. Okay, right. no Philip Gaines. Ding. And the, <laughs> well, that's what's going to happen all oh, through all oh, these lists that we're making. Absolutely, you know, it's and it's trying to keep up with this is. Crazy. Yeah, and it's going to happen really quickly. So that's that's all right. Um, the last one is a is a pure. Uh, I don't want to say boondoggle, but uh, just a pure hail mary for me. Uh, Kalan Reed. <laughs> so Kalan Reed or Kalen Reed, uh, was a guy who was a huge draft crush of mine. He was on all my sleepers lists, just a really good football player played at Southern Miss. Um, really depends on the tender level. Now he's currently with Seattle. Uh, and if they give him the original tender level, he was a UDFA. So you don't pay anything. If you sign him to a better contract, they don't get anything if you match, Right. So make him an offer, go get him, see if he might show you something. He has not played a lot of football. He has not made the field. He is a guy that had some amazing college tape and has not translated that to the pros. He's on his uh, either second or third team, I forget. Um, But maybe he's picked up some things in Seattle. They are somewhat magical with defensive backs and, again, can come in, not necessarily be the, you know, knockdown drag out starter he's he's not going to make that kind of money so there's not that investment or sort of inherent promise to a guy you sign like that you throw him into competition with Tolliver and and Trey Robertson and and say all right let's see who can do this and who wants it the most and and maybe he shows you something but it's it's kind of like some of the other guys I mentioned you're just looking for a spark you're signing him at the minimum hoping there's something there even if that guy becomes your third backup at outside like that's a win uh, and I like sign, like you said, I like signing secondary guys that spent some time in Seattle. I like signing linebackers and guys that rush, uh, you know, from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like there's just certain there's NFL there's a teams thing about that. that have some pretty good position coaches and coach them up really well. So and and, and they're usually deep. You know, it's like uh, wide receivers in Pittsburgh uh, for a while. Yeah. Uh, crazy how many how well they were drafting. So. Uh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me um, just to see if he's someone who can um, provide some competition and maybe win a job. So uh, let's let's move to strong safety because I think we're, we're both in the camp that uh, the Bears sign a more traditional tr- strong safety and get Eddie Jackson back to playing center field. Uh, more of that free roaming, free safety position that he was so good at two years ago. Um, you know, we, we should mention it's not a done deal that – the Bears are not going to re-sign HaHa Clinton-Dix. There's some weird Twitter chatter out there that kind of suggested maybe he was coming back. But you and I are both of the opinion that uh, it would be probably wiser if they uh, signed a more traditional strong safety. So I, I wrote down a few, and I think there are a lot out there. Um, the safety market has kind of been fascinating to me over the last couple of years because there's been some really good players, and we'll get to one in a minute. But... Uh, right now, I think the top of the market, um, Anthony Harris and Justin Simmons, I don't see those guys coming to Chicago. Again, uh, you just put a lot of money into Eddie Jackson. I'm probably not going to uh, sign a uh, top safety to pair with him. And so I've got a couple other names. names yeah, that and Simmons got tagged. I think are interesting. You got tagged already. Yep. Okay. Uh, so I got Carl Joseph, who I know is a guy that I think that you like oh, yeah. coming out. Absolutely. Uh, I've got... Tony Jefferson, who's a guy that um, uh, coming off an injury, and I think he's kind of interesting. And then our personal favorite guy that we were trying to sign last year, uh, Trey Boston. 
Uh, those are three names. And then I added a fourth to the list because Miami just cut Rashad Jones, who's a little older, but um, uh, has been a very productive player in the league. So four guys uh, who are out there that I think could be potentially pretty interesting next to Eddie Jackson. How do you see those guys? Where do you rank them? Um, any of those guys scare you or any of those guys intrigue you? Uh Jefferson scares me a little bit. He's been an incredibly solid football player, but he is coming off an injury and he's not a spring chicken. Uh, Rashad Jones, uh, I like him as a football player. I think in the role that the Bears are looking for, the one you've described, he would play pretty well. Again, I don't want to say he scares me, but I have concerns. Let's put it that way. Um, Trey Boston is amazing. I followed up a Doug Farrar tweet today who said, somebody tell me why Trey Boston... Signs a one-year deal every year, and nobody's signed him to a multi-year deal in the past three or four years. And explain it to me like I'm five, because I've been banging the table (laughs) for this for about three years, is that go get Trey Boston. Trey Boston's a great safety. I said it last year. I said it the year before. I said it the year before that. He's a great safety. He plays in the top third of deep third safeties in the NFL, which is a pretty premium position. And every year he signs a one-year deal in either the second or even the third tier of free agency for no money. He balls out. He stays in the top third of a very important position. Then he does it all over again. And I, I just don't get it that teams out there don't go, hey, this guy's played in three different systems in the last four years. He's played incredibly well in all of them. And he's played for no money. Like, let's give him a little money and a three-year deal and say, you're ours and get some stability back there because all he does is ball out. And it, it just warms my heart because he was a guy that I loved coming out of North Carolina. And I wanted the Bears to sign him then. Uh, they didn't. Uh, I wanted the Bears to sign him pretty much every time he's come up, which has been almost every year um, in the last four years. And he's, again, a little bit more like Eddie. He wouldn't be the traditional strong safety role, but he's a great player. And he's pretty adaptable. It would give Pagano a, a very flexible look like he had this year with with HaHa, where he could put either guy deep. And, you know, Eddie's a good blitzer, too. So we could unlock some of that. But if we're looking for a traditional strong safety, it doesn't necessarily fit that role. But I am not going to complain in the slightest ever if Trey Boston becomes a bear because I've been banging the table since he was at UNC for that. So um, Carl Joseph, you're right. I loved him coming out of West Virginia. Uh, he's available, which is pretty neat. And there was a guy that came out in the exact same draft from Maryland, who was a big hitter also like Carl Joseph. His name's Sean Davis, uh, originally started out with the Steelers, um, has since moved on, but he's available too. And I just, for some reason, looked the two of them up and it's uncanny. They're the same guy. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. they are photocopies of each other one's played 48 games one's played 49 one has two and a half sacks one has three uh you know one has uh 11 tackles for loss one has nine one has seven qb hits one has five one has five interceptions one has four 20 passes defended 15 passes defended they both forced one fumble like they're the same guy and it's crazy that those guys were four rounds apart in the draft carl joseph a first rounder sean davis a fourth rounder So uh, it's, or fifth rounder even, I'm not sure, but they're both available. And if you could sign either one of those guys, they fit in that role, right? They are that close to the line of scrimmage guy who comes hard, good eyes, diagnoses, 
almost like another linebacker, but can definitely cover short area tight ends, even faster ones. They're both got good speed, um, really tough guys, have been quite reliable um, playing almost the maximum games for both of their teams. Um, you know, I think those guys would be good additions, both of them, either of them. Um, the last guy that I have is a guy that gets a little less press than I think he should. I liked him coming out of Ohio State, but he ended up in, in um, I was going to say St. Louis, but he ended up a saint in New Orleans. Uh, Von Bell, very productive, strong safety for New Orleans. Lots of tackles, lots of TFLs, um, probably double the passes defended um, of any of these other guys we're talking about with the exception of maybe Boston, and also forced fumbles. This guy is a hitter. He is coming, and he is highly productive around the line of scrimmage. So and he's been doing it for a while, ever since he hit the Saints roster. He's probably going to get paid but maybe because of that positional value strong safety is not a premier position he could slip dollars wise and if the bears are looking to lock somebody up for three or four years that really fits with the tone of their defense and would be a tone setter and they could slip in and get von bell i'd be all for it he plays extremely hard and i think the fans in chicago would love him right away yeah, it's, we, we talked about this before the we started the show, and it's he's a guy that I just haven't pictured in Chicago. I don't know why that matters. Uh, a lot of these guys, though, I've I've honestly thought about, like Carl Joseph, like I've thought about him as a bear, uh, and so I didn't write him down. And then you mentioned it before the show. I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah, he'd fit when you look uh, at his stats. Pretty good. Yeah, he's got 61 games, so a few more than both Davis. Basically, one season more than both Davis and Carl Joseph. He's got 249 solo tackles, 345 combined, 14 tackles for loss, 17 QB hits, uh, 14 passes defended, and seven forced fumbles. And seven fumbles recovered, strangely enough, which is usually those numbers don't match up. Uh, But this guy gets it done. Like, in that role, he is the best guy available Pretty much bar none. I mean, Simmons has already been tagged, and I think Anthony Harris, a um, little bit of a different role, but definitely earned his money. He's going to make more than Von Bell is um, coming out of Minnesota. But, uh, you know, Von Bell is that probably preeminent strong safety that's on the market. And if the Bears prioritize that position, uh, I can't really see them doing it from a money standpoint. But if they did, Von Bell would be the target. It's interesting. All right, EJ, what did we miss? Uh, D-tackles, D-ins, anything else on defense we should kind of think about before, uh, you know, as free agent gets going? Yeah, there's a few guys out there at DT. Uh, I saw a notice. Tyler Davidson was my number one for Atlanta. He's a really skilled interior player that a lot of people don't know his name. Came out of Fresno State. He's got a real knack for holding up to double teams. Um, He'd split time with Goldman keep him fresh but i said i doubt he leaves i've heard today that there's smoke that they're nearing an extension with atlanta so he probably won't shake loose um the other two names people will notice because they're both first rounders marcel darius comes with a little baggage uh but he's a wide body who can still contribute and a sean robinson who's a division rival space eater who people again they drafted him in the first round and everybody's like he's a sack master and i was like no he's not Oh, he's a no. <laughs> really he's a really really big guy. He's Huge. incredibly stout. Like that's his gig. He's basically a bigger version of Jerron Reed who plays for the Seahawks, who played right. interior on that line at Alabama with him. He is he is like the the rock at 5, right? He is the 5 tech you're just not going to move. But he's not going to give you any pressure and he 
pretty much never will. But he could be that guy that would rotate on the other end. And, I mean, can you imagine a line of, like, Akeem Hicks, oh. Goldman, and Ashawn Robinson? Like, it's a big dude. nobody's moving that line, just those three guys. No. So uh, either one of those guys, again, if they slip into the second or third tier and maybe people are afraid of Darius's baggage or they just don't prioritize Robinson because he's just really a run stopper, he could be a down eater for the Bears. And if he comes, if he slips, throw those guys some money. It's going to give you really good depth on your defense and you can always make a little space to make it happen. So that's the DT list. Um, I wrote down some DNs, uh, which again are the five techs uh, in the Bears defense. Um, I don't think any of these guys are really, like Michael Brockers was my number one, but I said my note is he's probably going to be way too spendy, but man, he'd look good in navy and orange because he, unlike Ashawn Robinson, is a disruptor in the pass game. Um, Also an excellent uh, run defender and has made some hay um, in both his stops. He was most recently with the Rams. So, but I just think he's going to be out of the Bears league money wise. The other one's Nick Williams, right? The Bears own Nick Williams. He played well last year. Absolutely. Knows the system. If he takes a reasonable deal, I mean, I know this sounds like a broken record, but if he takes reasonable money, keep him. He played really well and again, uh, rose his game up at least a level last year. Uh, he's a guy they're comfortable and familiar with and again, can, can start at square three or four instead of square zero. So Nick Williams would be a great guy. Uh, to bring in there and then there's a guy sort of in the backwards osmosis theory coming from denver coming from vic fangio's defense adam gotsis uh a lighter de from denver who uses leverage really well he's only 27 he's more in that sort of nick williams mold right if they don't resign nick williams he's not a guy that's going to be a penetrator and and an attacker in the pass game but not a lot of guys are getting by him very stout football player so those are three names out there brockers is a oh please oh please god make it happen but it's not going to because of money nick williams is a sort of lockdown yeah that's a great choice i'm happy with it and if it doesn't happen a guy like adam gotsis is okay we got somebody to fill that role and and take those snaps that nick williams did last year and he'll probably perform at a similar level yeah brockers is really good football player i love uh, so that would him. be he's crazy. so good uh yeah um uh, I, I yeah i love the idea of just bringing back nick williams just he's really improved and uh, such a big guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. One of those guys that really surprised us. And we should mention that Roy Robertson Harris was, you know, tendered, yep. uh, as a restricted free agent. And so it would take, uh, another team, you know, to, to offer him a contract, sign him away. And I think the bears would be compensated yeah, second rounder, um, I believe with a draft. Pick. Yeah, yes. With second a second rounder. Round. So that's so. a pretty high tender for RRH, but again, when Mac and Hicks were healthy, he looked like a monster. And as right. soon as Hicks disappeared, he did too. He had almost right. no production but for the that's rest good of the if you can keep everybody healthy. Oh, yeah. And no, and they, that's what I think the Bears are counting on is that same little alchemy they had in the bottle for the first three or four games of the year where they were just destroying people. And he was a big part of that, and they know it. And then he dropped off for the last three quarters of the year. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for a guy like RRH who's worked really, really hard, um, you know, he, that's that's going to keep his price down. It's going to it's going to sort of put downward pressure on his price. That's good for the Bears, bad for him. But um, it'll be, you know, hopefully good for him if he comes back and has production playing on a very talented line. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's uh, the other side of the free agency preview. So um, hopefully 
we get some really fun stuff to talk about as actionable items that the things uh, that Ryan Pace has done. Uh, but until then, let's uh, let's talk about the beers and get out of here and uh, let people listen to something else. So, how was your beer? Uh, my Irish coffee was tremendous. Um, oh yeah, coffee. Yeah, no, I've uh, <laughs> I've made those uh, for some time, um, probably longer than has been legal, maybe. But uh, no, it's a comforting drink to me. Um, just the right sort of mix of uh, up and down, hot and cold, whatever you want to call it, and uh, goes down very, very smoothly. Feels familiar to me, so it's just a it's a happy place drink for me. I'm much more interested to hear about your sausage beer. Um, well, so it's gone. Good, right? Like I'm, uh, yeah, no, it was like forty. I looked up, it was like forty five minutes in. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm already done with this thing. So <laughs> it it was tasty. Um, I it was really hard to. I didn't really taste any coffee notes. Okay. I didn't really taste like sugar cane or whatever yeah. is supposed to be in here, uh, which I guess that just means sweet. But I didn't really taste the sweetness. Um, I don't know that I necessarily would have like tasted it blind and been like, oh, that's Boudin and sausage. <laughs> like, like not at all. Like I would yeah. never have like guessed that. I think you'd just be like, oh, that's interesting. It's kind of different. Um, <laughs> and, and so – I don't know. Like, I'm fine with it. Like, I've got three more. I'll drink them. Like, it's not a – it's definitely not something that I regret buying. But I don't understand the flavors. Like, I don't – I can't, like, pick them out. Yeah. Um, it just – and that's kind of Cajun. I don't know that you – when I'm eating Cajun food, I'm not like, oh, I can really taste this specific spice. Yeah. Um, it's just a bunch of spices that all come together. And so when you throw in a beer, it kind of overwhelms things. I don't know. Interesting. No, I know what you mean. I've had beers like that where you're reading the label and you're like, how, how is this all going to work? Or or it sure sounds like it's not going to work if all those things come to the forefront. And again, they're, they're layered in there in different levels. And sometimes you drink them and you're like, that's amazing. It works perfectly well. Like a lot of your favorite breakfast stouts, right? It has a pretty disparate list of ingredients or flavor notes. Um, And other times you just, you know, you're like, that's, I can't believe that all works, but it works great. And other times you drink them and you're kind of like, well, yeah, I don't hate it, but I'm not sure it's everything it's listed on the label, right? Yeah, you just don't, you just don't <laughs> know the character, but that's not bad. At least you'll drink right. the other three and, and you know, you enjoyed I'll it. Drink the other three. Oh, good deal. Good deal. We've definitely had all worse right. beers on the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, this is this is just fine. It's it kind of it's kind of fun. Good. So. All right, well, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Well, you can always follow Jeff and I on Windy City Gridiron, which is SB Nation's Chicago Bears site. We've got three other podcasts on there, T-Formation Conversation, uh, Bears Banter, and Bear With Me by uh, three other great solo hosts. So check them out. They always have terrific content. You can follow JB on Twitter at GridironBorn. You can follow me on Twitter at TheDraftsmanFB or on my other football site, which is BootlegFootball. You will find us on YouTube, all major podcast outlets, and maybe, maybe soon to be Twitch. We might do some live streaming draft content, so check out my Twitter handle. We'll be announcing that on there uh, if and when we get that up and running, hopefully soon for some of you that are social distancing. We'll make some more football content for you. Uh, But until then, watch the free agency frenzy. It's going to light up here pretty soon. Uh, Give us something to concentrate on that's football-related. And until then, listen up and bear down. 